Okay, folks, here's the deal. This is the first live, uh, live ever, I think. Streamed live. Let's put it that yeah. way. Stream live podcast. Stream live streamed podcast of Leopold's Hunt Talk Radio. We're streaming it live on our YouTube channel, and I have no idea what we're doing here. Uh, this is I may as well be sitting at the controls of the space shuttle or something because I'm clueless. But these guys, Marcus, this guy right there, Matthew. Dan, Michael, and David, they know what they're doing. So it's it's taken five technology people <laughs> to stream this live. But anyhow. It's the Google. The Google helps. you got to just figure it out. Just really? Type it in, what you want to do, and it tells you how to do Google it. Google is your friend. Yep. Whenever I ask Marcus a question, he says, Google is your friend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give an advance warning, folks. I am dealing with the world's worst sinus infection, so I think this podcast is going to be brought to you by Sudafed, Vicks, uh, Alka-Seltzer, who knows what else. And I apologize in advance if i got to blow some, blow my nose every once in a while here, but... We came back from Wyoming recently. Matthew brought a big elk home, and I brought home the world's worst sinus infection. Marcus brought home some above-average footage. Above average? Yeah. Wow, thanks. Well, Michael just does. <laughs> Michael just, what's what's Michael say? Lay down some average, average footage. Average footage. Yeah, that's why Michael's Christmas bonus is small compared to everyone else's. He, <laughs> he's got to step it up. But before we get into it, we better let people know who this podcast is brought to you by. This is why it's free. The reason the podcast is free is because of great companies like Leupold Optics. Leupold sponsors everything we do. Uh, If you're in the market for optics, I hope you will go and check them out. They're big supporters of hunting, of shooting, of public lands, of conservation. They don't say a lot about it, but I do. So Leupold, they're just the folks that keep this place smiling and happy uh orion coolers did we bring any uh, all the coolers are out in the truck mm-hmm. darn it sorry folks we could have had an actual visual plug here of orion coolers orioncoolers.com go there use promo code randy and you're gonna anyone got their tumbler with them all oh, right over there you, i got it i got you, it you got it Maybe. navigate the cord this is what you get if you buy an orion cooler and you use promo code randy you're gonna get one of these for free Right here. And uh doesn't cost you anything extra. Just say promo code Randy. And then <clears throat> with the next two sponsors of this podcast are really important for the elk hunt we're going to talk about. Onyx Maps. One of those things, uh, if you go and hunt in Wyoming and you apply, you see these little asterisks that always say, access is difficult in this unit. Well, that's why we apply in those units, because it scares most people away. And we have our OnX tools, and that helps us navigate those places that are difficult. And if you go to onxmaps.com, hey, I think you ought to buy this for the hunter in your family. Hunter, hunters, plural, in your family. On Black Friday, I think OnX right now is having a 30% discount. Is that is that what's going on this weekend? I don't remember, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know if that's on top of the 20% you get with using promo code Randy. But if you go to onxmaps.com and you use promo code Randy, you're going to get 20% off. So, And you'll probably shoot more out 
draw lots more tags, all kinds of stuff. The last sponsor of the podcast is GoHunt.com. And if you wonder how we draw these tags, how we do all of our research, how we know what it's going to be like, uh, GoHunt has this service called the Insider, and we use it all the time for everything that relates to tag drawings. And the tag that you drew, Matthew, that we're going to talk about, I I knew about it through the GoHunt service. So go to GoHunt.com, use promo code Randy, and you're going to get $50, five zero. $50 a free store credit in the world's best backcountry gear shop. There you go. We've made it pretty easy. Promo code Randy. R-A-N-D-Y. Look at that. We got all kinds of people. This thing says there's 157 people watching, and we didn't even give any advance notice. You think we have to answer these questions? We got some uh, oh. comments coming through. Really? I have an elk hunt coming up next week in Unit 5B in Arizona. What tips do you have? Happy Thanksgiving. My tip in Unit 5B, I had an antelope tag in there. I saw some really nice bulls. You're going to see the Mesa, Anderson Mesa, and it breaks down. Uh, as you go north, it drops off. Those elk are going to be in late season mode. They're going to be in those canyons down there. They're going to be in the places you walk up to the edge and say, I don't want to shoot one down there. That's where they're going to be. I've been there. Can't say I had an elk tag, but I'm pretty sure that's... Uh... Hey, hey, someone said, Randy, I'm proud of you. Your shirt looks like it's right side out this time. <laughs> because <laughs> Corey Jacobson and I did a podcast, and Corey let me sit there with my shirt on inside out. It wasn't until we went to lunch later that day that I'm feeling around. I'm like... I got a tag hanging out the back. These new Sitka shirts are screwed up, man. And then I looked and I had it on inside out. So, nice. Well, that's what that guy was talking about. Anyhow, uh, we just got back from a Wyoming elk hunt. Matthew had the tag. Uncle Larry, my uncle, who people have seen on our content before, he had a tag, but unfortunately... Uh, Larry's been dealing with serious health issues for about 12 years. 2006, he almost died from mantle cell lymphoma. Went to the MD Anderson Clinic in Houston, Texas. Uh, I think it was six to nine months of chemo he had there. He was, uh, man, he looked terrible. Uh, they put him on a clinical trial that lasted for about five or six years, and then... They had to take him off it, and it came back again in 2011 or 2012, I think. They put him on another clinical trial. Well, we got a call last month, just after we got off the elk hunt with Bo. Uh, the Montana elk hunt had a call from Larry saying, you know, my doctors aren't going to let me go on the Wyoming elk hunt because so many people in this clinical trial are tipping over from heart issues, and my heart is really giving me a lot of grief right now. So, unfortunately, Larry didn't get to join us. It was all up to you, Matthew. Yeah. The whole burden was on your shoulders. <laughs> uh, I was not feeling too much weight on my shoulders on this. No? No. I mean, what? go out there, enjoy the hunt. That's about it, right? Yeah, that's true. After about the first hour on the first morning. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like we'll get into that, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But there was good news. Of Larry will hopefully really right. Yeah, Wyoming has a certain uh, so, thing, right? I, I'm thinking that uh, Wyoming does something that I hope other states consider. The, 
I wasn't aware of this, but a few years ago, I think it was the guys from Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, uh, helped make it possible that Wyoming passed a law that if you have to miss your hunt because of medical reasons, like Larry did, and your doctors can give all of the appropriate documents to prove it, you can request to either get a refund or reserve the tag for the following year. They say we don't guarantee you're going to get the tag the following year. <clears throat> it goes to what I think is called the license review board. But everyone I talked to said, you know, it's, he should get it. So cool. assu- assuming his health allows him to recover and, and do well, we could be out there again next year. All right. That would I, I wish other states would do that. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, really cool. I, I like that idea, and I wasn't even aware of it until Buzz Hedick, the guy who joined us. Buzz lives in Laramie, Wyoming. He's been on the podcast before. Uh, Buzz called me and said, hey, sorry that Larry can't make it, but be thinking about this. There's this new law. And uh, so we got all everything sent in, and hopefully he'll get to, to be on the hunt next year because when he sees the footage of Matthew's hunt, I, uh, yeah, I think he's going to want to go. The funny part was that it didn't even require maximum points. Yeah. I I can't imagine how good those hunts are that require maximum points. Yeah, that was the most unreal place I've ever yeah. been elk hunting. Yeah, I've, I've had was... some really good tags. I'm with you, Marcus. Uh, yeah, <laughs> crazy. No, it, was, it was insane. The number of bulls that yeah. we saw. Yeah, what did we see? 84 bulls the first year? Or the first day? First day. 84, 86, something like that. And Matthew passed every one of them. Like, <coughs> I, I'm not sure uh, why. Uh, what do you got there, Matthew? You, don't don't worry about it. Okay, Matthew's <laughs> got, there's somebody giving it. us grief out here, and, and Matthew's is getting them off the channel here. Is that the deal? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> Just don't worry about it. All right, you're you're the tech guy, so should a shout out to Luke P here, quick. Oh, let's see, sitting in surgery pre-op, watching Randy. Hey, Luke, good luck in your surgery, man. Hope it goes well for you. Uh, that's not a fun place to hang out, um, especially on Thanksgiving, uh, especially in hunting season. But are are you gonna make me go through all these questions? No, I'm not. We should we should probably start talking about the elk hunt here. I, I would but think so. <laughs> future reference, so that's kind of fun, you know. Yeah. A little I, live I, podcast, a little Q and A action. I I think so. You know, it's kind of in contrast though, because the folks listening and downloading the podcast right. are trying to follow a conversation that makes no sense. Yeah, maybe it's two different the, applications. Yeah, yeah, the the folks who are watching live on YouTube are listening and doing everything and everything's going great so yeah elk hunt it's a it's a learning process we'll figure it out we'll ruin our we'll we'll completely destroy our brand within the next hour (laughs) i'm sure but anyhow you had this tag matthew and uh we had wyoming the application deadline was in uh, january and when i called you i said do you want to apply for one of the super duper hunts with your max points or do you want to step down a, a ways because Larry had three points less than you? You didn't take too long to answer that question. Yeah. Would rather uh, go with Larry than 
you know, worry about the quote unquote best unit out there. So yeah, it was happy to do a party application with Larry and, you know, worked out. Yeah. Unfortunately he couldn't go, but it worked out for you. And, uh, and when you say there wasn't much weight on your shoulders, I tried really hard to put him under pressure. But he just when you see eighty four bulls on the first day on public land, yeah, or publicly accessible land at least, yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy. <laughs> all they they were all in the winter range areas, which when I saw how little snow was there, I thought, oh, they're all going to be up high, and the bulls were all down. Yeah, they'd cool. migrated already anyway. Yeah, they were at least on the low end of their transition range if they weren't on the winter range. And, uh, so what, what made you decide to actually finally shoot one on the second day, Matthew? Uh, I mean, everyone's going to get something different out of their hunt. Yeah. And for me, it was, I didn't go into it with a set goal of I'm shooting, you know, the next bull that's bigger than X number or anything like that. Um, for me, it was just, am I enjoying the experience? Do I what what am I looking for? And so it took maybe a day or so to figure out exactly what it was. And eventually it was just, hey, I'll know it when I see it. Yeah. And eventually we did see the bulls there. We had a good opportunity to, to sneak up on them. Um, we were able to get in a position where we had a fairly good clean shot with wasn't too far away. And that was just the right kind of confluence of um, events that made it time so also it didn't didn't hurt that there was a blizzard coming in the next night and we probably wouldn't have been able to see anything the next day so yeah kind of like when we tried to drive home the next day when we couldn't see anything yeah Yeah. that would have been hard glassing i think we would have lost at least one day maybe two days of hunting yeah based on that yeah and it it's just one of those where you know we we still had a few days after that but we had a good opportunity like I said, I had a good shot that mm-hmm. wasn't too far. I felt comfortable with it. And there's not too much more you can ask for than that, I don't think. No. I, uh, For me, anyhow, I would have never got to see the bull you shot because I had filled my tag so many times the day before. And uh, I, when, when you, it was funny, uh, you passed how many, uh, so many bulls the first day. Yeah. Nice bulls. Yeah, there were I mean, there were two that mature, had some interest. How many mature six points did we see? Like <laughs> five six year old bulls. <laughs> yeah, I bet we saw over thirty. I bet five year old bulls or or, or older. older. Yeah, I I would bet. And so I I don't know. You you kind of went through a I, I'll call it a preseason drill the evening before, but. I just had the feeling you had no interest in ending the hunt right then. Yeah. I mean, we saw enough elk while we were out there that it became clear that I did not need to rush and shoot something. Um, it's pretty unique. At yeah, least from it was, what, yeah. I, it was from really what cool. I've experienced, like, that's yeah. not typical. It's yeah. like, you <laughs> see sure. a mature bull elk, like, you're going to want to shoot that Go thing. for it. Yeah. But no, yeah, it was really cool to see that many elk. Yeah. And so that, that again, kind of relieved the pressure where it's like, okay – there we saw 84 bulls on day one and it's it's not like they were going anywhere they were not flustered they were not spooked um 
And how many hunters did we see on day one? Some cow hunters. That's oh. it, right? Yeah. Not even in the same unit, though, I don't think. No, they were yeah, at the, gas, at the station. gas station. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it was unreal. And I was worried. I'm thinking, oh, man, if we go there late, like Buzz suggested we do, I thought, oh, man, they're all going to be shot out or they're going to be so spooked or whatever. And uh, talking to Buzz, he said, no, nah, everybody will get done the first week. Some of them already came and filled their tag in archery season. Oh, yeah, because this tag was good for the archery hunt, too. Right. With with the late-season tags in Wyoming, most of them, anyhow, not all, but most, you can go and hunt the archery season September 1st through the 30th. So I'm sure some of those tag holders yeah. were gone because of that. And then the fact that we show up, I don't know, two, three weeks later, it's like those elk. They almost look seem like when we get elk come out of Yellowstone Park here. Yeah, they were so calm. I mean, there were some that were not very far from the road, like, I mean, 600 yards or so away from the road. Yeah. They didn't even look at the truck. I know. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> we're in, like, lo- yeah, it felt like you're in a, on a private ranch. Or, well, I worked on one of Turner's ranches, and I would say we saw more elk and more big bulls than when I worked on Wow. Ted Turner's ranch that's got a ton of elk on it. Wow. <laughs> right there. That That's a good kind of a point of of uh baseline for evaluation then if if you if you can say that that's you know something's good but i've talked to other people who've had those november tags and well i've had a couple of them and in the units i've had them there's been a lot of private sanctuary right. and the elk will come off those sanctuaries and every time we lucked out and we filled tags but, boy, you'd look down on some of those private ranches and the number of elk just relaxing, hanging out. Yeah. You almost, it's, um, you almost wonder if we kind of got lucky because there was yeah. quite a bit of private land around there. But yeah, they just, I mean, maybe we I guess we weren't really looking at it, so maybe they were over there too. But right. it didn't there were seem plenty like. Of, there were so many on public, we really didn't have to look any further. I know. It was crazy. It was so, yeah, uh, it was unreal. And I've talked to other people who have had, uh, tags and similar units on those November hunts in Wyoming. And they've told me they that the experience was similar. And I thought, ah, yeah, that's that's a bunch of BS. But I, I one of the reasons that I think you might have decided to pull the trigger, Matthew, is this one was that notch bigger than anything we'd seen. Did, was yeah. that... Was that slightly helpful, or <laughs> I mean, it was it was helpful that he was with two other ones that were no slouch on their own. No, they, all <laughs> three of them were really good bulls. Well, it would. Uh, I mean, it helped, but again, like I said, it was a a good circumstance where we were able to sit there and watch him for a while. Um, in the footage, if you watch the day by days, you'll probably see this. Um, day by days will be up in a while i'm not sure when exactly on our youtube channel. Yeah, on, the, on the youtube channel. this channel right here that yep. everyone's watching um so we actually had the opportunity to sit and watch this bowl for over 20 minutes while it was bedded down and i'm over scrambling with a, a photography camera just being like oh i want some photos of this guy while he's bedded <sighs> randy's yeah. like having aneurysm <laughs> yeah I, i'm about ready to blow a gasket here <laughs> And Matthew's yeah. like, well, I'm going to wait for him to stand up. Well, sometimes when they stand up, they don't just stand and pose for the camera. 
And I'm looking back at Marcus and Buzz, and they're looking at me like, this is crazy. What What's this guy doing? What? what? Oh, well, not my tag. So I just got to lay there and accept the fact that it's going to happen when it happens. No, yeah. I admire it, and it made for fantastic footage on my yeah. end, being behind the camera. <laughs> like, that was that's some good content and yeah. then also the fact that you didn't shoot on the first day really added to the content level building yeah. up like yeah, yeah. it I was mean, perfect we, was we perfect. couldn't go out there and shoot one in the first 20 minutes we yeah, just had to make the whole have, episode have, cooking have it. the video like live stream like mark is <laughs> just carrying around the video oh we shot one let's talk about it a little bit oh, we you, you could do that <laughs> that's when you just make the episode about packing it out and cooking it yeah yeah, so you guys got to build with what you got. Yeah, I I would have had no problem if you would have shot that first bull slightly uphill from the truck that <laughs> in the, about ten o'clock the first morning. That was a dandy, mm-hmm. not as big as the one you shot, but not too far off though. I mean, he no. was it was the one you shot was substantially bigger, yeah. definitely heavier. Yeah, and the, the story and some of the pictures are out on our forum. We have a big web forum called HuntTalk.com. Uh, and I think Buzz, the guy who was there with us, he started a thread out there called uh, Randy Stand on it. Like, hurry and get here. Because he'd <laughs> been out s- scouting the afternoon before and had found some bulls and was saying, get your butt here. Hurry up because <laughs> don't know how long they're going to be here. Well, they were still there. All right, folks. I'm going to have to wipe my nose because my sinuses are about ready to blow up here so i'm gonna let marcus and matthew take over for a second while i try to solve all my ailments here i don't know what causes there's hopefully a doctor's listening and can say why some people get really severe sinus infections because i get about one or two a year that almost knock me out but maybe i'm just getting old it's probably it my eyes are watering doesn't look fun no, it's not fun at all. Actually, I, these headphones, I'm surprised they will fit on my head <laughs> as swollen as my head feels with this whole sinus infection thing. But So with uh, with that hunt, we've already eaten the tenderloin since we got home. We had tender- That didn't take long. I was no. about to ask, how yeah. is it? Good. Really good. Yeah. You know, people will say, oh, those old bulls, you can't, you can't make anything out of those. Well... Last night, we ate it, tenderloin. Monday night, no, what's, what's, yeah. Today's Wednesday. Oh, Sunday night, we ate tenderloin. Yep. So, two out of the last three nights, we've had elk. Nice. Fresh elk for dinner. Yeah, people say that, that I keep hearing the old thing, not that I shoot a ton of old animals or anything, but. (laughs) Me either, so I don't have a large sample size. I've never had, you know, like five, six-year-old bulls, they taste fine. Yeah, I. Yeah. I, they don't taste any different to me or like the text, like the toughness or anything doesn't seem like it's any no. different than a, I mean, I guess if, if you shoot like a raghorn or something, it's a little more tender maybe, right. but like flavor wise and it's about the same. I, I've not noticed any difference, but I've not shot any bulls. Well, I, I've probably shot one whose ivories were as flattened down as, as this bull had. Yeah. There, there wasn't uh, a whole lot of left, a whole lot left of his ivories. No. No, that one looked like he was pushing seven eight years old i couldn't i mean he wasn't yeah. really really old he but wasn't going downhill yet yeah. but he was Body. his teeth were worn yeah. yeah and i'm also out of i haven't been a biology student for 
a long time now, so <laughs> probably losing my my Lose, ability to judge age. Yeah, no, they're hmm. pretty worn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, that's pretty precise. Yeah, yeah pretty worn. Let me Google it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we were really grateful that Buzz wanted to join us on that hunt. Yes. Um, you know, Matthew and I, we try to do one hunt together every year. Last year, we filmed the moose hunt. You lucked out and drew the Montana moose tag. Yeah. Year before, it was Nevada mule deer. And sometimes we have friends join us. Like on that hunt, Scott Jones, our buddy from Washoe Valley, Nevada, joined us. Mike Spitzer joined us. Mike actually put in in the party app with us. He was living in Elko at the time. And for me... That hunt that Matthew and I do every year, I, I don't care if it's for ducks, if it's for grouse or moose or elk. It's the the time that I always have on the calendar. That's that that's the hunt that I'm I'm always looking forward to, and I hope that people listening think about all the times you come up with reasons not to do the hunt. Or not to apply, or oh, I'm too busy, or you know, I got work, or I can't afford it, or well, you know what? Don't delay. That's as someone who's my age, don't pass it up. Don't don't say oh, someday, because someday doesn't always get here. And mm-hmm. uh, to have uh, someone like Buzz join us on it, I thought, well, first of all. You'd be a fool not to take advantage of a local who's hunted it two or three times. Mm-hmm. Buzz has been on this podcast before. He's uh, he, just really a great public land advocate. And we've always said, you know, someday we need to hunt together. Well, all the planets aligned and he joined yeah. us. And It's a bummer he missed out on this podcast, but we kind of had to get out of that... Uh crazy winter weather they had going on down there <laughs> yeah yeah if we would have hung around we might just be getting home now so but <laughs> sorry you didn't get in on the podcast part of it but i'm just i'm thankful for all the great friends that we have that we get to hunt with we sure share some pretty special experiences with all that and for me that's a huge part of why i hunt and what hunting means to me anymore is just who I get to share it with and, and the fun things we do. I guess the question is, Matthew, what, what are we going to do next year? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, we, we haven't thought that far ahead yet. Oh, I've so. been thinking about so it already. I've been, I've been out on goal hunt. <laughs> I've been on goal hunt so much lately, researching this and researching that, looking at the calendar. What, what are the dates? You want to come out to Oregon and try a general tag? You know, <laughs> I hope Archery Roosevelt. That'd yeah, be fun. yeah. Because Matthew now lives in Portland, and uh, I've always said someday I want to come and hunt Roosevelt. So uh, maybe that's what we'll end up it. doing. I don't know if I'm tough enough to hunt them. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure if I am either. And those guys who can kill Roosevelts on a regular basis, those guys are—they got all my respect. Whew. man! But man, they'd be fun. Yeah. Because the body size of your elk, Matthew, was one of the bigger Rocky Mountain bulls I've seen. But it's still not as big, they tell me, yeah, as those to Roosevelt's what a, a Roosevelt big. would be. 
So I wouldn't be tough enough to pack one out. I'd have to bring young people like you guys with to pack the darn thing out or, or have Bo bring some of his llamas with. So. Oh, yeah. No, if I you mean, could get llamas through some of that thick vegetation. I think oh, that's I don't know if you, yeah, like. I don't know if you could. This was a really tough pack out. What do we have? Three quarter of a oh, mile, yeah. a mile. This maybe was a, a really mile rough pack out. The, in the contour we followed, it was maybe a mile. Yeah, yeah that nice. was one of the easiest pack outs I have ever had with a mature bull elk on public land. Ironically, it was probably one of the further bulls we saw away from the <laughs> no that's the funny part <laughs> it was yeah because we, we saw a few a little bit further away but not much yeah kind of how it worked out is we went into that basin where i would have never looked in a spot like that it was broken muddy bad land. no trees for miles not yeah you know, uh, not a tree of any sort hardly and marcus you'd seen that bull go over that rise the, the morning before, before yeah. and buzz had kind of warned us hey no I know we're all glass in this direction, but don't don't keep don't take your eye off back behind us here and you saw that one and then the second day we kind of went on an exploration mission mm-hmm. and we saw not squat. We tried to go like way up high. Small herd way back there, yeah. Yeah. Almost got stuck in <laughs> where the road was drifted over and I'm I'm turning into such a candy ass anymore that I said, "You know what, boys?" When I know there's that many elk around, I don't need to drive up here and get stuck in a big old snow drift. I'm okay with not having to put the chains on the truck. Yeah. And Marcus, what's your dad saying? <laughs> chains like, are for getting out, not yeah, for get, get, not getting in. Yeah. I still yeah. I have a problem with that. I know. I do stupid things. Yeah. Well, I I'm <laughs> your dad and I come from the same sort of ideology there. I'm I'm not into getting stuck, so I'm sorry if I kind of whooshed out, guys, but I said, you know what, let's just go back where we were. It took us a couple hours to drive back over that way, but let's go find one. And uh, on our way, we hadn't, that was one spot we hadn't checked out, and it was kind of on Buzz's mind. Yeah, maybe we should go in there. Right. And we got in there, and we all split up, went different directions. Uh when I went way to the west there, I, I just saw the two bulls. Mm-hmm. And that's why I came back and gathered all you guys up. I'm like, God, oh, there's a couple bulls out here. Grab the spotter and we go over there. And by the time we get back over there, two bulls become six. And we're trying to get those six bulls. And Matthew, you must have thought we were nuts because those six bulls were, I don't know, another. They're quite a ways away. And Matthew asks me, well, what's wrong with these three down here? <laughs> well, <laughs> I hadn't seen them. <laughs> way closer. <laughs> yeah, and way bigger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I was just looking to see, like, hey, there's probably a lot of terrain that these things are hiding in. We uh, worked our way out to a better vantage point, so just looked around and tried to figure out what we could see. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, <coughs> I was wondering if you were going to shoot one of them. We were, you know, folks, we were taking turns looking through the spotting scope. I looked through the spotting scope, and there was one really pretty one. He just, his antlers were really brown, and the tips were so white. The one walking around that had the slightly broken third. Oh, the the really long, long yeah. tines. Yeah. yeah he's had, that was a nice-looking bull. That's, all, Ooh, that's yeah. the only one I really looked at at first. Yeah. Because the bet one that was bedded down, yeah. his rack was like kind of obscured, and I couldn't 
he wasn't turning his head at all. Yeah. And so I was like, I, yeah, I think that one's a shooter. And yeah, I was looking at the one bedded. I you guys had to point out the the long tined one to me, and I took one look at that ball, and I didn't have to look in the spotting scope again. <laughs> and then you, you, Marcus and Buzz looked in the spotting scope for all of about thirty seconds, and they didn't have to look much longer. And Matthew, you sat there on the spotter for I don't know five minutes, mm-hmm. ten minutes, and we're all thinking. Uh, hey, Matthew, uh, this one's significantly bigger than anything we've seen, and we've seen some nice ones. <laughs> and uh, I tried my best to put the heat on you, but yeah. you, you still didn't seem like you were that convinced it was worthy of ending your hunt. I mean, I wasn't ready to say that it was the one, but, you know, hmm. we got closer to it and everything worked out. So. Well, that's the old don't look a gift horse in the mouth. I mean, uh, sometimes you're handed one that's close to the road, you know, what, three-quarter mile, me a mile at the most. It was uphill. We did have to hike up. Slightly There was uphill. some terrain. There was oh, some yeah. up and down. Oh, yeah. We, we gained all of, what, 300 feet of elevation over that mile? Yeah, if that. Roughly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, goodness sakes. What, what more could you ask for? So, that's what we ended up doing, Matthew. You, you shot it with the Hawa 300 win mag. Why do you like a 300 win so much? That's a, since you know. were a kid, that's all you ever wanted to shoot was a 300 win mag. I, for the most part, I don't worry too much about recoil. Yeah. And it's for me at least. It's in that spot where I know how it shoots. I don't really get impacted by the recoil too bad so i don't flinch or anything with it um i think maybe one or two steps up and i probably would but that's just a good comfort zone for me yeah you know it works one or two steps up would be an elephant rifle yeah that's true 416 rigby or something (laughs) (laughs) those things i've shot 416 have you yeah that's a nice little I never have because uh howa is sending the whole crew that's here new rifles uh and marcus you 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 ordered a 300 right yeah and Bo ordered a 300 and dan and and michael ordered 7mm remington magnums and i'm one of those 308 7mm08 guys i'm kind of like the softy of the group i guess if it works it works i i don't really know i I've never been attached to a certain caliber. The me guns either. I have, I just sort of would have would have been given to me by my my grandpa and my dad. Yeah. So I was like, I didn't choose them. <laughs> that's what I ended up with. Well, uh, if someone gives me a rifle, uh, I'm not going to say, oh, I don't like that. And so that's <laughs> what. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Three hundred is intriguing yeah, to me. I did, and I have shot shot yours, and so yeah, I like it. it doesn't bother me. So yeah, that's well, I'm I. Uh, one of the things on this hunt, we were using the 180 green Nosler E-tip, the non-lead ammo, and we had Chris Parrish and his guys on a podcast. Mm-hmm. When was it last summer, sometime July or something, about the non-lead partnership and this bull. That I was very impressed. That 180 green E-tip at 285 yards went right through one shoulder, mm-hmm. and mushroomed went completely through the other shoulder blade and was buried on the hide on the outside 
the first shot was perfectly lethal. That was a complete pass through. And I told Matthew, shoot him again. And I don't know that he needed to, but. I yeah, don't. I'm with you. If it's still moving, shoot it again. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's just the way that it is with me. And I, a lot of people say, I can't believe you had to shoot it again. Well, sometimes we don't have to shoot it again. But ammo is the cheapest part of a hunt. What are you doing there, Matthew? Sorry, just replying to some comments. Well, Keep talking. Uh, no, we, we need your input here, okay? <laughs> you're you're done yeah. replying to comments. You can come and reply to comments later. Yeah. No? Yeah? All right. So, look at, see, now you started this whole discussion about recoil on rifles. Mm. Look, now everyone wants your input about rifle yeah. recoil. I, I think that's mostly aimed at you. Well, that's fine. I, you know, rifles are kind of <laughs> like uh, everything in life. You know, there's the you have your favorite football team, or you have your favorite. <clears throat> I don't care what it is. Um, if it works for you, use it. That's what I say. And know how to use yeah. it. And if you know how to use it, there's very few cartridges that won't kill an elk that are legal because some states have uh, cartridge minimums. Right. Of, of that but yeah i would say the biggest thing is there's something that you can shoot a lot and you're comfortable shooting with that's the most important yeah if you're going to actually hit what you're aiming at and we are spoiled in the respect that <coughs> sorry about that folks i had to move my mic away we're spoiled in the respect that uh ammo is free to us thanks to the good folks at nosler so there's no reason for us not to shoot a lot yeah like a lot lot you're I'm saying your that. shoulder should be bruised. Uh, no, not for him. Uh -uh. No, and then Shoot, uh, shooting that 308. Right, and then also we got the great folks at Caldwell, who give us lead sleds and shooting bags and accessories. So, you know, there there is no reason that we're not out at the range doing all kinds of fun stuff. We're blessed in that standpoint. I, I get that the audience is probably like, must be nice, Newberg. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm not trying to rub that in. And what I'm just saying is we we don't have any excuses of, of why and what we use and how we do it. So, but, so a couple other things that I have come up uh, now that we've kind of given a tease about Matthew's elk hunt. Hey, guys, when is uh, when's Matthew's elk hunt? going to be on youtube what's when's it on the calendar for uh, december 10th, december, 10th? Yep. december 9th 10th or 10th and 11th 10th and 11th, 10th and 11th. maybe more, maybe more? It's the one, 10th, 11th, all right so oh there you go oh right yeah all right folks that their answer was that uh, you can watch Matthew's elk hunt out here on our YouTube channel Dece starting December 10th. Is that a Monday? Yep. All right. So with that kind of crossed off the list and we've sort of teased everybody enough, <clears throat> I was scanning Hunt Talk, our forum, for some in information to talk about or some ideas to talk about. One of the topics out there right now is people setting up blinds and tree stands on public land. Oh, blinds and tree stands. Oh, right. Or you're saying wait. blinds and tree stands? No. Anyway, no. no, a <laughs> blind or a tree stand. <coughs> Your mic is twisted there. Oh, jeez. Oh, now there we, now, we, now they'll me? be able to hear you. Okay. Sorry. Uh, and the question is, 
if you stumbled across someone's blind or someone's tree stand on public land, would you hunt out of it? Hmm. That's an interesting one. Uh, <coughs> Anyone who well, has an opinion on it, please go out to hunttalk.com and search that thread. Well, so and on some states and land management agencies, it's legal to leave them right. per, uh, up permanently. Permanently. And I don't know. I don't even know what the rules are in Montana. I or don't if it, either. Like who administers is it? I guess would it would probably be the land management agency, right? I would think like so. Like via BLM or the state or, some, or yeah, whoever. So I... In one instance, I guess from my personal experience, I know of a permanent tree stand uh-huh. on a piece of land where I grew up. Yep. And, I mean, it was just known about. It was, like, very well permanent tree stand that was established. Yeah. And for that one, it was a small enough piece of land, too, that it's like, if someone was parked there, you just didn't go there. Yeah. If you were the first person <laughs> to park there, you got to go <laughs> sit up in that tree stand. Yeah. But that was kind of a situation where someone made that thing, like, years ago, and it mm-hmm. was like, I mean, I don't know. So I guess I I have done it, but I would in in that sense. But with the disclaimer that if I just found like a like a tree some, stand, some that, random person's like that's tree like stand. obviously from that season, you know, it's like someone set up their own personal like pre-made metal tree stand or something. Like that. I wouldn't. I would not hunt it. No. No. Yeah. No. And also, I hate hunting tree stands. So right. there's that. But right. say I was into hunting tree stands, no, I wouldn't do that. Okay. Yeah. Would you hunt near it? Because it's just such a weird dynamic for me because I just don't like that type of hunting. I know. So like when I grew up, I did a little bit, (laughs) Mm -hmm. like just because we, it was something I could do after school in archery season. Yeah. But that other, I just don't have that scenario in front of me anymore. Like I just like I'm gonna go hunt mule deer. I'm not gonna sit in a tree stand. The reason some people said they'd hunt it is that wherever it is they're from, I I didn't look to see, is that people will go up and set multiple stands or multiple blinds to kind of claim spots. Oh, well, that's an interesting thing. It had never dawned on me that people would do that. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Some, like, Midwest issues. Yeah. I I think I would probably, again, not use the actual tree stand or anything, but I would have no problems, you know, setting up right next door to it and being like, you can't just scope out or claim the public ground for your own hunting benefit. Right. If you're in it, yeah, I'm not going to blow you out of it. But at the same time, if you're just setting up tree stands or blinds in order to claim the ground, like that's not what it's there for. Yeah. You know? Because I've done archery antelope hunts and I've seen people set up three or four blinds on water holes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's another interesting one. Yeah, that's kind of a bummer because then they're like – I. <sighs> I don't know, because I can see it from their perspective where it's like, you know, they want to have the, they want to be able to hunt all four of those and they want the antelope to become accustomed to the fact that there's a blind there. Right. But at the same time, you're kind of claiming a lot of stuff for your own that's right. public land. Right. So, I don't know. I <coughs> I guess if people have thoughts on that, go out to our hunt talk forum and chime in. Uh, I know for me, if, Kind of like in the bison hunt in Utah. Even though we were starting up the hill and the guy came around us on the ATV. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. (laughs) That was kind of a sketchy thing for him to do, but oh, well, he did it. And even at that, it's public land. So I held us back and just said, well, let's see if he goes left. If so, we'll go right. 
if he goes low, we'll go high. If he goes high, right. we'll go low. Um, and a lot of times we hike into places and we see other hunters. Um, and if they're first, it's like, okay, you, you, you get this drainage. You, you, right. know, you, you beat me in here and, and uh, have at it. Uh, but I've also yes. had people come and just camp right on me. <laughs> yeah. They see that I'm sitting there glassing and they come and sit 100 yards away. It's thinking, well, what what would we do if a bull came out of here? <laughs> yeah. So, well, it's kind of a case-by-case case situation. Yeah. I it, mean, you get, everyone has their own set of ethics and what they would do. But right. I, I, it's hard to, like, have, like, a blanket opinion on that. Right. I think it depends on the situation. But the reason I grabbed my phone here is I have an email uh, that uh, came to me the other day. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Uh, it <laughs> I don't know if I, I'm the guy who deserves the credit for this. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll summarize it. And he said, Randy, you are one of the platforms that have really encouraged a lot of people to start hunting public land. I don't know if that's true or not. And he said, I love seeing people out there. I love seeing the advocacy for it. But a lot of these people are showing up and their etiquette, he didn't use the term ethics, he is etiquette, mm -hmm. leaves a lot to be desired uh, based on how they interact here. I'll, I'll read the email. I, ju I just pulled up here. Uh, again, like I said, I, I don't think, uh, uh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm to, to blame, but maybe I am. Uh, and so he says, I thought to present an idea to you as a small section of a larger podcast or a brief YouTube video, that being public lands, hunting etiquette. I conducted a brief and by no means exhaustive Google search of your name plus public land hunting etiquette, but did not find any hints. I'm writing this to you this season because I have documented increased use of newbie hunters, newbie, like new, new hunters, in spots otherwise devoid of people in the past 35 years of my hunting experience. On the lead end of this conversation, I'm thrilled to see these newbies using modern tools to locate areas and using their feet to access good hunting grounds. However, their, how should I put this, quote-unquote, tact, can be less than conducive towards a cohesive public land use hunting experience. These newbies have the best camo gear, smartphone apps, lightweight hunting rifles, but some Train uh, Some training on issues of etiquette may be in order. I'm sending this to you because I believe these people are hunting the public lands due to your influence, and for that I thank you. That being said, there is some level of responsibility we all share to help them appreciate the hunt, other hunters, and the success of hunting in general. Uh, so, and that it should be something above just simply the kill and the social media posts. So I'm curious. So he didn't have examples of what he was talking about. If I he didn't no. prove of their etiquette. No, he didn't. He didn't give precise examples. But mm. uh, I'm I'm wondering, is there do, should there be a discussion about this? You know, what is public land etiquette? And as quick as you start down that path, people think you're telling them what to do, and right. then you end up with this kind of give you the middle finger sort of response of don't tell me what to do so, so 
I guess one way to look at this then is if you were out hunting public land, what are a couple things that people could do that would make you upset or do you think would be crossing a line for, from their perspective? <sighs> I guess uh, <clears throat> if they saw you on a stock and they had almost a foot race to beat you there, I, I mean, I've seen many people go in on a stock and I just sit and watch if they're going in before I do. Right. Things like that. Or even I've heard of uh, along those same lines of, say, someone, you know, they're trying to get, they'd like 200-yard shot. They're trying to get 200-yard. All, all of a sudden, someone shoots it from 600 yards away. Yeah. And then you're like, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a yeah. bummer. We've had that, Matthew, antelope hunting, right? Guy shot right over yeah. our head. Right. And in in some yeah. situations that that person might not know, but. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it was in your situation, but... I'm not sure what it was in our situation other than they were drunk, and when I got to the truck, all three of them got threatened with bodily harm <laughs> when they drove right. by and drinking their beer. And so one, guy, one guy was standing in the bed of the truck, driving around with his rifle, shooting at stuff while, while the other two guys drove. Well, he might have a short life expectancy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not, I don't think that, that the email referred to those kind of things. Probably not. I, I think it was referring more to people who just, maybe it's because maybe they are newbies, as you said, and they just don't know. Right. I mean, a lot of times we we think that people do things because of intention rather than out of ignorance or, or lack of knowledge. And I mean, there might be some base things just like pack out your trash, you know, Yeah. keep an eye, an eye out for where you're going and where other people might be like, yeah. might just be Let's simple, th mm -hmm. small yeah, things. It, yeah. And the, where other people might be, I, I guess I think about it. If I see somebody on a ridge, I'm not going to hike up that ridge and then over the next basin that they're probably glassing. Right. I guess that's that. Maybe that, maybe that's what he's talking about. Like. Or if maybe if you're hunting a small tract of land, like, okay, like, someone's parked there. It's only 160 acres or whatever. Who knows? Right. Like, go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, that, I guess that, I mean, in my mind, maybe that, I don't know, maybe that's what he's talking about. I'm sure there's a lot of examples of yeah. what he's probably referring to. But. Yeah, and I, I, I've probably had more encounters waterfowl hunting with public land etiquette than I have anything. Where you set up your decoy spread and you're in your blind yeah. Way before the sun comes up and some guy comes wading out there, throws his decoys 20 yards from yours and says, well, it's public land. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Could you maybe move 100 yards or 200 yards? Or, <clears throat> or I've had people set up when we're waterfowl hunting where they don't even have any decoys, but they come and set up right on the edge. So anything coming into your decoys, whether it's ducks or geese, they're shooting at before they get yeah, so and I guess there's another example. Uh, I mean, again, it's public land, so that's one of the risks you take when you're hunting public land. That you're going to run into someone who has a different idea of proper etiquette. Right, and I guess, and I mean, who knows? Maybe those people aren't doing it maliciously. Maybe it is. They just don't know. But yeah. I imagine it. I don't know. Well, it's hard to. <coughs> I think it's a, uh, I, as a, <laughs> if he really thinks that our platforms have put that many people out on the public lands. I, I would disagree with that. Um, 
But if he does feel that way. It's I'm, all Onyx's fault. There you go. Uh, I'm willing to take some of the the responsibility of having the discussion about what's proper etiquette. I, yeah, I, it would be interesting. Uh, we could probably yeah, have people like give some examples. I think I would help. Yeah. Because I'm trying to think of them right now. And, and I, it may not even be etiquette. It might just be there is not a, a wealth of knowledge out there or shared knowledge for people who pick this up as adults. Yeah. So my girlfriend went through the hunter's ed training just online. And as she was going through it, there were a few moments where it was very obviously just aimed at people who were, you know, 11 or 12. Okay. And I think that so much of what we consider etiquette or ethics or things like that get passed down through learning from a mentor or something like that, where if you're trying to pick it up without having that in-person resource to help guide you on these, I think that there are some times where you just don't know that you're doing something wrong. And I think that might just be a broader overarching, like, Hey, there is just not the information out there for people that want to pick this up as they get older, if they're trying to learn it on their own without somebody who's done it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely, it's interesting too, because I imagine some of it could be a cultural thing too, to like, for example, like ground pounding, uh, Mm -hmm. grouse, like some people are like, Oh, that's you can't uh, do me. That. I ground pound right. every grouse I see. All right, and then I've, I'm sure I've been the jerk to certain waterfowl hunters when I float through their decoy spread, just jump shooting ducks floating down the river. We'll put a pontoon boat in and float down the river and shoot ducks. And so in that situation, I could see some. Ah, what do these guys have no respect, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, that's how we are able to duck hunt, right? When it's otherwise private access. Yeah, and, and so I think floating, ah. If I set up on the river, I fully expect some people are going to float by. Right. It just uh, How else is that floater going to get anywhere? All right. And uh, my defense is, you know, I'm putting up the birds for them so that they <laughs> go and land in their decoys. <laughs> uh, well, I think we just, uh, thanks to this email, uh, this uh, listener, I think we got a, a whole bunch of content ideas. Mm-hmm. Of what we could talk about, I'd I'd be interested to know what other uh, other listeners have encountered, and and if they thought it was intentional, or if they thought it was just lack of understanding, lack of knowledge. Right. And, and I suspect there's a little bit of a difference in states that have a lot of hunting pressure with general and over the counter tags. Say, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, and Colorado. And maybe some of the whitetail states in the Midwest or the East or the South. You get places where it's all limited entry units, very rare species. I doubt that there's probably, I don't know, maybe there is. Uh, well, Jerry, Jerry Pritchard had an antelope tag in Arizona. There were, I think, 10 tags for that hunt. And Jerry's making a stock on a buck, and some guys were, f- f- <laughs> they saw us making the stock, and they zoomed out there with their side-by-side chased it off like they were going to get the shot so maybe uh <laughs> or well for example on the bison hunt uh I, I, it's not that i disagree with this but i found it interesting and slightly off-putting was all like every take holder had five friends helping with radios or eight which is perfectly ten. legal in yeah. utah and but it's, it's part like, of their tradition of how they hunt there and so but like i i could see like you know i 
I kind of look at it as whatever, but easily could be like, man, that goes against my ethics. And like, that pisses me off that those guys (laughs) are out there radioing. Yeah. I mean, in Utah, uh, I suspect residents there don't even give it a second thought. But we come from a state, Montana, where radio communication is illegal. Mm -hmm. Some of those guys who walked up to us had like, Secret Service type earbuds and radios on. Oh, they were serious. Yeah. And so when you first see that, if I saw that in Montana, or if that person came to Montana, they would get turned in, they would get ridiculed, they'd get harassed. But to your point, it's culturally what happens in that area or in that state or within those communities. And so some would call it ethics and etiquette. It's just differences in in how people do it but yeah we could do the public land etiquette series and then we'll there you go piss a bunch of people off oh yeah there will be a <laughs> lot of fired up people as quick as we start saying oh you should only set out one blind or you should only set out one tree stand you should only ground pound grouse you should not i'm gonna them. be i'm gonna be the guy upset if there comes to be some prohibition against shooting grouse on stumps and on the ground <sighs> well we got a lot of flack for spawn stock turkey hunting people didn't I like know. that so yeah. that's another one give right me a there. break people you know what not like pe- they want like that yeah. Some people thought it was dangerous, and I can imagine mm. if you are on a small track that has high hunting pressure, it Maybe. could potentially be dangerous. But yeah. like, where we were hunting is like, yeah, okay. There's one parking area for the next four miles. There's no one here. Like, yeah, we know that we're not gonna yeah. we're gonna be all right. I read those comments, and they were mostly to do with the quote unquote ethics, yeah, of it. You know what? That turkey doesn't give a damn if he got shot out of the air like Michael finished one off. <laughs> Whether he got called in and shot, whether he got shot walking down the creek bottom, the turkey didn't really care. Right. He got killed. Yeah. And he got ate. That, that's as far as I go with that kind of crap. I mean, people like to confuse personal preference with ethics. Right. And but, I mean, it, with everything, though, there's always a line. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, with turkeys, the thing that always comes up is use of rifles. I think use of rifles for turkeys is a safety issue more than an ethics issue. Yeah. I I, I don't care if people shoot them with rifles if legal in that state. It wouldn't bother me at all. But I do think there's a serious amount of danger involved when you're hunting a bird that tends to stay in thicker cover, that people are using decoys to call in that they might be carrying it out there's using rifles in that situation to me is a is more of a safety issue than it is an ethics mm-hmm. issue i think we've but been getting people commenting on youtube about all sorts of oh have they ethic things that they've uh oh wow huh where i guide we've cut in front of other hunters if they don't have the energy to stay ahead of us then they can stop hunting on the trails i spent all summer clearing mm-hmm. hmm See, there's a personal opinion that. Yeah. Let's see. There's all kinds of comments out there. Hmm. Someone says laughing out loud, public land. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, I guess. Guess we've got. Uh, we, we will it save this stuff out on YouTube? I have no I, idea. I believe it will. 
Okay, because right. there's there's a ton of comments right there. Well, no, we actually, I don't use. think it does. Really? We might want to copy and paste that, yeah, because I remember before when we okay. did when we had the live stream elk talk stuff. All go, right. all so, the YouTube comments. So we better tell so. Michael or Dan over there off camera that someone needs to copy and paste all these comments so we have them when when we're done. Yeah. When this shuts off. Yeah. But I I think that this is a this has been a fun experiment, but I think we'll probably want to tweak it. In oh, the yeah. Future. oh yeah oh yeah that's good stuff though now we yeah. can now we're like set up we can just right. go live whenever we feel like <coughs> yeah. It. yeah and next time we'll probably give people some notice yeah not <laughs> not just turn turn the button on that says like <laughs> live stream now i think if we promoted it i mean i look at how many people we get when we do our talk live mm -hmm. on wednesday nights and we get lots and lots and lots i mean thousands of people watching live so so when you brought up this, this is really going to fan some flames here, Marcus. Uh, when you brought up the bison hunt. Yeah. So we ran into a person who had hit three bison. Oh yeah. And this was not from that. It was hearsay, but it, was, it sounded like it was probably true. Yeah. Because they yeah. We knew he'd hit two based on someone in his party had told us he'd right. hit two. The next day we heard he hit a third one. So Alaska has a law for black bear. And maybe it's for all species. I should look, but I think it's for black bear. That if you hit an animal, you're done. Mm -hmm. I've often thought, and I don't care whether it's archery, rifle, muzzleloader, it doesn't matter to me. I've often thought that, in fact, the Montana legislative session is starting in January, and I think the, the date for bills to be put on the docket is early December. I've thought about approaching a legislator and asking, you know, is there any appetite in Montana to have a law that if you draw blood, you're done? Mm -hmm. So... So I agree with you in general, but I'll play devil's advocate. Yeah, here. that's that's what I'm hoping I'm for. I, I want a devil's advocate. Okay, so I, me talking to you about, well, you, you say that. You get to hunt western states all over. You get to shoot numerous animals. You're not hurting for meat whatsoever. True. That, that's so true. So yep. me, I, only, I get my couple weekends a year that I can go elk hunting, and I, I want the meat. Yep. And so I, I hit an animal. And I lose it. Yep. And if the game and fish agencies decide that that's legal and that's okay and it's not going to hurt the population, mm -hmm. and I'm just I really want and need that meat, mm -hmm. then I'll go shoot I should a be able one. to shoot a second one. Yeah. That. And in that situation, um, and that's me playing the devil's, devil's advocate. advocate. Yep. But I I can I feel for that guy. Right. The problem is there's a lot of guys that are just flinging arrows wounding shit left and right and it's just taking long uh, you know 800 yard shots in a crosswind whatever and so it that's may be. that's where yeah that's where it's like mm -hmm. really makes you mad right and so. the, the reason i haven't proposed it is because th that's my personal creed that i have with myself that if i hit an animal i punch my tag right. people have seen episodes where like in nevada two years ago i hit a deer and I said, I'm hunting only that deer. Mm -hmm. We we passed up other opportunities. I wasn't going to go shoot a different deer. Fortunately, we saw him the last day of the hunt. He's <laughs> he's out there in the field acting like nothing happened. Yeah. 
That was kind of incredible. <laughs> but still, that was my hunt. I'd hit that animal. Right. And I, I get what you're saying, that I do have opportunity that other people don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, uh, I hit a black bear in Alaska. I searched for that thing. I looked all over. It was the first animal I ever hit that I didn't recover. And I realized how lucky I was. I think I'd hunted at that time 34 years and it that was the first time i'd not recovered an animal i'd hit uh and someone who hunts as much as i do i've now come to realize that was probably a big streak of luck randy um so i don't know it's i worry that people think no i shouldn't say it that way I worry what it does to the resource as we have more and more hunting pressure, especially in western states, when people hit animal after animal after animal, and they think that the tag is, well, until I finally recover one. Right. Well, how many do you have to kill before you recover one? And I think there will eventually become pushback. There, there will come some pushback against these and as technology a lot makes people feel more comfortable shooting distances that we're gonna this is open up whole can (laughs) of worms i know it but you cannot deny that distance is one of the variables that increase the likelihood of a lost animal right an unrecovered animal any anyone who wants to argue that distance is not a function of the likelihood of the hit you're hoping for let's just end that conversation right now because i'm not going to (laughs) have an argument with someone who denies fact right well the play devil's advocate again Mm -hmm. sure i (laughs) I know that's what i know a few people i know a few people at 200 yards versus some other people that at oh, 1,600 yeah. yards, I'm putting money on the guy at 1,600 No, I, I'm with you. the guy I, at 200 <laughs> yards isn't going to hit but, anything. But is your 1,600-yard guy going to be more accurate at 1,600 or 200? Right. He's gonna so be a lot that's more my point. I'm, right. I'm for saying, the individual. For that individual, yes, distance is going to be a factor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, and when we have, and I'm as guilty as anybody, I look at my setup. You know, with my Leopold CDS system and my, you know, I've got these Howa rifles. They're dialed in. Everything I have is way more capable than I am. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to, someday, I'm going to make a mistake. And does that mean that I get to go and and shoot another one if I make a mistake? Right. And for me, I feel like it for sure should be illegal to shoot a second animal on the especially on like the low number animals or units like so for a moose or a bighorn sheep or a mountain goat or bison yeah like when that when it's fairly small populations like i think that's a no-brainer right where it gets a little questionable is the deer and elk but it's yeah i mean i agree like because there's definitely people who abuse that i've seen it i've heard about it right but then you feel for the cup, the guy that I, I that feel needs for that. Him. Uh, and no, it, nobody needs the meat. Right. Like that's that's not a very valid argument, real realistically, because yeah, honey generally costs a lot more to get your meat than. But anyway, different story. But that that's that that one's the one that kind of feel I feel for. I, but 
I kind of feel for it, but I wonder over the longer term if that person had to punch their tag that year because they hit an animal and didn't recover it. Uh, Are they, where does their confidence level need to be in the following year before they pull the trigger or release an arrow? Right. Would it have any consequence? I I don't know if it would. I'm just throwing it out there because (coughs) I've, I used to defend that there wasn't much wounding loss in hunting. And the reason I defended that was my personal experience was very, very little of it. Now, since then, since that bear hunt, I've had two other, uh, and I don't know if they were lethal. I couldn't, mm-hmm. I never caught up to the animal and they went long, long distances. So since then, I've had two situations where I've punched a tag because I hit an animal and I didn't recover it. So I think I defended it maybe not having a proper perspective uh, of how much of it might happen. And I know people listening are like, Randy, you're going to feed, you're feeding the fuel for people who are going to complain about hunting. Well, me saying it doesn't change the fact that it happens. Right. So what the hell are we going to do about it is uh, my question is. Uh, are we going to say, all right, everybody needs to raise their confidence level to that higher point before they let go of the arrow or pull the trigger. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it's good to talk about it, but there's not really an effective way to enforce it. No. You can't really legislate that in an effective way that I'm aware of. Um, And I I think technology has gotten better, Mm -hmm. which is why people are feeling more comfortable taking these longer shots. And I think that in general, it's a good thing that technology has done that. Right. I mean, talk about the loophole CDS dials, for example. Right. Instead of having to hold over, you can set the dial. And so you're more confident of what that elevation drop is going to be, which means that you are introducing less human error into the system, Mm -hmm. which is a good thing if you're trying to take ethical shots. What that has done, though, is that has taken some people that say, oh, if I was good at 300 before now i'm good at 600 right and so it's it's got to be some combination of just figuring out how do we just get people to realize hey wounding is not okay like be confident in your shot Mm -hmm. and so this was on the elk hunt that we were just on one of my big points was i just want to have a an instance where i feel good about the shot right so the one i wound up taking was 280 yards he was quartering away slightly, and it was one of those things where he's standing still. He's not moving. It's not far. There's a little bit of a win, but it's not too bad. And, you know, it was a shot that I felt like I would make 99-plus percent of the time. Yeah, for sure. And I'm I'm not sure, again, if that's just a, something that we need as a hunting community to, you know, m- bring that topic up more and just say hey waste is not cool or what but i'm not sure even legislating it will fix the problem right right i i'm not naive enough to think a law would fix the problem but i i think about alaska with their law ted nugent on his tv show 
shoots and hits a bear and then goes and shoots another one. He got a re- <laughs> I got a ticket for it. <coughs> well. uh, <laughs> that's a whole nother can of worms that we won't go into today. But uh, uh, I I do think it would cause people to think a little more. Yeah, no, I, I think I think a law would. I mean, if you if you actually had a law, I think most people would follow it. Because if yeah. if someone's breaking a law and like doing it knowingly, they're breaking other laws. And yeah, that's kind of an outlier. I think people would follow it for the most part. I mean, but I would almost argue, bringing it back, I would almost make an argument against the fact that newer technology is changing it, because yeah. I technology has always been changing i right. mean it used to be open sites and then we went to scopes and then we went right. to higher quality scopes so, i mean h- how far back do you go right. i mean like it's, it's been a constant evolution and maybe right. there's spikes and along the along that evolution of lethality of a weapon mm-hmm. but i mean and then there's different weapons different seasons so but yeah no, you're probably right i maybe it's just that the if you took the whole spectrum of all hunters and said what's your What's the average or the mean of what your confidence level needs to be before you'll pull the trigger? Right. Or release the arrow. And maybe it's not what Matthew said, 99 plus percent. No, I think a lot of people would be a lot lower. Right. It's like, I might hit that. Right. Fling an arrow. So maybe it's, I have no idea, so I shouldn't even throw a number up. Maybe it's, all right, I think I got a 70% chance. Well, as technology improves, the range at which they feel a 70% chance is extended because they've got better range finders, better scopes, better arrows, better bows, better everything else. But I mean, like, does that, you think, do you think that has increased wounding loss? I'm agreeing with you. I don't think it has increased wounding loss. I, I think it's just allowed the, the, if if we say that across the years or generations that confidence level before letting go of it is 70%, as technology has increased, it allows people to feel 70% at a further distance oh, yeah. than what it was for, sure. for yeah. grandpa. Yeah. So, but legislating it, it's not going to solve it. But I I do think we need to quit denying that it's happening and yeah, no, try to figure happens. out because I'll, I'll make the the devil's advocate argument that okay someone goes out and hits three bull elk in archery season mm-hmm. and doesn't recover any of them and then they go out and they shoot one with a rifle well maybe all three of those bulls lived maybe they were just you know flesh wounds for lack of a better term but what if they were all punch hits and we all know that bull's gonna die within a day or two right is it fair to the other hunters that now there's three less bulls out there in the population? Yeah. Because this person decided, I don't have any accountability. I, I'll just do whatever I damn well please. I have a te- I have an unpunched tag in my pocket, and that's how I operate. Right. So. I mean, there, there are a lot of ways you can look at it. You can look at it, is it fair to the hunters? You can look at it, hey, you are still killing something. Like, right. Is it your ethical responsibility to say, okay... I took my one animal from this species or this population and that's all I get. Or, I mean, there's a very wide range of directions this can go. Yeah. And and I've had this discussion with people and they'll say, well, nothing goes to waste in nature. 
true. Nothing does. But if we go to the reality of where we hold ourselves to be in the eye of the public. Yeah. Because we are trying to make our case as the minority, a very small minority. And we say we're ethical. We say we're concerned about conservation. We're concerned about blah, 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 blah. But then on the other side, we're not having serious discussions about wounding loss. I think someday someone will have that discussion for us. And it's probably going to be in an outcome that we don't like. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think if it ever did get to a, where it was a big problem, we would biologists and people on the ground managing the resources would start to recognize that it is a problem. Mm-hmm. And I I mean, I guess if stuff is if numbers are plummeting, it could be due to a lot of things, obviously. Right. But I mean, and hopefully it start to be recognized. Right. And so, like on a biological level, I don't think it's an issue currently. And uh, I guess in in a in like a grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. but like an a, an ethical thing and a public and a public image thing, yeah, it's not it's not good right. if someone's out there shooting three elk, right, and losing them. Like that's that's not a good public image. But I I think maybe not from the big picture of the biology of the herd, but if wildlife managers are saying, look, we know there's X percent wounding loss, right, so. W- to get this harvest, we got to crank down the number of tags. Then you're affecting opportunity. You're affecting opportunity. That's true. The other part is, if you talk to some biologists, they will tell you that there is a peer pressure feeling in the hunting community that you don't talk about this stuff. Yeah. You. So as much as there's numbers and data that they might have of what's there, it's, you know, if I talk about this... I'm going to get lumped in as being a crazy wing nut far out in the weeds, hippie kind of anti hunter dude. So I think within some of their just professional parameters of how they have to operate with pressure hunters place on them, that legislators place on them that I don't know that they can have the honest discussion about it either. Yeah. I mean, maybe somehow, and I don't, how would you do a survey of it? Would people honestly answer? I I mean, it, you, you can't say that there is quote unquote a problem until you can measure it and you realize like, what is a, you know, at what level is this a problem? You know, we, as far as I know, I haven't seen any reports about wounding loss. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's probably the first step to figuring something like this out is just, what is the data telling us about, you know, is how many animals are out there that get sh- hit and then eventually die from their wounds? You know, is that mm-hmm. something that's seriously impacting the populations? And I'm not a biologist. I wouldn't, uh. know, <laughs> I wouldn't know the beginning of how to start trying to a- account for that. But I think before legislation happens, you have to start figuring out, you know, let's learn more about this. How yeah. big of an issue is it? Yeah, and and maybe it's not that big of an issue. Maybe the last couple of years I've just heard so much of it that it's causing me to right. start paying more attention to it. Yeah, and it's always like an issue in relation to what? Right. The biology, the 
public image, yep. the opportunity to other hunters. <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of factors. And right. And the reason I've never pushed the issue legislatively is I just feel like I would then be putting, trying to force others to accept what my personal creed is, what my relationship is with the animals. And I never want to do that. I don't want someone to say, well, because I do it this way, that's the right way. No, that's just the way I've chosen to do mm-hmm. it. Not not because it's right. Um, so that's why I've I've been uh, hesitant to even bring it up on our platforms or in our podcast. Because people instantly say, oh, like you've never done it? Yeah, I've done it. I've shown it. I've, I've told the world. You know, I feel terrible. I feel embarrassed. I can't believe that I screwed that up. And... Uh, <clears throat> every time I have done it, though, I've, I have just said, you know what, that was my one chance. But like you said, Marcus, it's easier for me to say and do that because I get so many opportunities to hunt every year. Mm-hmm. I My freezer's never lacking. I'm usually sharing the bounty rather than hoping someone will share with me. So I'm I'm very aware that I'm in a different circumstance on that than maybe a lot of other people are but so well i'm sure we'll get more than our share of hate mail and comments over that one i've there, I, there's been a lot of comments that have been very positive about this oh so, really yeah oh out on the, yeah. the youtube feed e- even though we're not perfect we're not getting to everyone's questions uh, yeah there's been some some good some good suggestions for improvement as well so well that's good. we'll figure it out yeah. But well, I'm 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 thankful that people didn't say Newberg just shut up, you're an idiot because uh, well, now I, someone probably will. Uh, you yeah. Requested <laughs> <it>. yeah. <laughs> Wait for the the copy paste comments of just shut up, you're an idiot. Like. Yeah, I'm sure there will be many of them. But uh, you know, one thing I forgot to do in the podcast intro is uh, we've been trying to help backcountry hunters and anglers with their year-end membership drive. Okay. Uh, BHA right now has really got a big push going on. I think if you sign up between now and the end of the year, uh, they're giving away a rifle to, All right. to someone who signs up as a member. Uh, go to backcountryhunters.org and sign up. And uh, Cool. You're and you could get a cool hat. <laughs> yeah, you can get um, Marcus is wearing the public landowner hat. What's it say on the back? Backcountry hunters and anglers. Oh, okay. What do you got, man? You got I have some mystery ranch mystery ranch hat and yeah. Huh. What do I got? I I got got some Sitka. I got a barely visible Sitka logo here on a prototype flannel shirt. They said, but it's right side out, which is what matters. That's what really matters. You can't see the logo if you're wearing it inside out. Oh, Mm -hmm. speaking of which. Are they still selling the Marcus? But look at Michael over there. He's got hey, Michael. His, come here. Come here. Let's <coughs> put him in front of the camera. <coughs> we, 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 Marcus <laughs> Public Land. You show him the back. Lava. Show him the back. <laughs> Those you can buy out at Onyx Maps T-shirts for. Uh, it says Explore Your Public Lands. It's put together by Onyx by uh, Leupold and us. And the profits from the sale of that shirt that Michael just modeled for the YouTube audience here are all going to be accumulated and given to the Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation to use in one of their public land uh, access projects. So that's good. And then we've got the Hunt to Eat guys. What do we got out there? And with Hunt to Eat, we've got the new Hunt Talk hoodies and T-shirts. 
And then we had the the green decoy uh, T-shirt with oh, them. Yeah. We have anything else with them? We had a hat. We have the fresh tracks. Oh, we got a fresh track shirt and a fresh tracks hat. So, hunty.com. They're doing a bunch of t-shirts for us. Uh, Where else can people go do their Christmas shopping? Gohunt.com. Gohunt.com. Yeah, Yeah, go to the gohunt.com gear store. Uh, Oh, I wonder wonder if oh we talked about it i can't announce it though because i don't know if it's live people will be out there trying to use it oh promo code yeah uh. darn it i should have called chris and said hey we still we still going forward with that because they have a really cool idea that people you're gonna be buying a lot more gear from gohunt.com after we come up with this plan so check back on social media and we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we don't have it yeah. right now. <laughs> way, way to tease everyone. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't remember. <sighs> Dang wow. it. Oh, also, don't forget Alaska drawing deadline is coming up here. December. What? I don't know. I can't I've remember. never applied for anything in Alaska. 17th or something <laughs> like that. I've applied this year for bison and caribou. And black bear. I apply for black bear every year. Uh, what else? That's it. And then I heard Wyoming was changing their elk application deadline from January 31st to May 31st. Oh, really? That. I heard that that was being kicked around. I don't know if we have any uh, Wyoming hunters uh, chiming in here on the YouTube feed, but I... Uh, I, I don't know I if we should tell sure. people and now about that's the biggest rumor that shows up in the hunting community in the next like two <laughs> weeks. Oh, <laughs> Wyoming's moving their date. I don't know if we want to tell people Arizona. When is this podcast going live? Uh, this one's going to go live on next Friday. What is that? The thirtieth. Okay, yeah. so I guess then these get, this might be too late for for what them, but for the live people, Arizona. Has leftover oh, tags yeah. going on sale. Yeah, Arizona. I, they'll, I, there will, I guarantee there'll still be some leftover by the time or, this podcast goes live. Yeah. Havelina. Havelina. Spring Havelina. Spring tur- a few spring turkey. It might be. I can't remember. But yeah. for sure, Havelina. Yeah. So we'll have that. Uh, and then we, we know that Arizona is not changing their draw date. We know that Arizona's draw deadline will be in February. And I've said it, I don't know how many times. But if you have a hunter that's a youth, and I th- believe Arizona, the age that they can start applying is 10, five bucks for a non-resident license for them. And the, you can use that to build points. That's why Matthew is sitting here with 18 deer points. You get, he, him to, you get him to stick that needle in when they're young. Yeah. <laughs> get him addicted <laughs> to the point system. But someday Matthew's going to just say, ah, yeah, I think I want to go here. And he's got the points to do it. And one of these years I just need to take three months of vacation and there just you go. use all my points. I know. When are you going to do that? We could make a film about it. Ooh, the season. <laughs> the point, the point burn, or something yeah. playing off of burning points. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. You you have got way more points than should be allowed. <laughs> it's because I can't go on more than one hunt a year, so I you know. just keep stacking up. I know. You need to quit that job. You need to move back to Montana. <laughs> <clears throat> but no, it's uh, Arizona is such a cool place. 
Yeah. I, I mean, you're going to be down there coos deer hunting. Yeah, not too long from now. I'm excited. Yeah. How many points did you have to draw that coos deer tag? Uh, exactly zero. Zero. Yeah. And he drew. Yeah. And I bet you you'll shoot a buck. I I don't know about that. I, you, but I'm not going to be picky at yeah. all. I, uh, I'm getting revenge yeah. after having to hunt those things with a bow and arrow. It's tricky. Mm -hmm. Now it that is. I can shoot a little bit further. They're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I there's a bunch of threads going on on our forum and other forums about what is the state, western state, with the best draw system. And it depends on if you like point systems or don't like point systems. If you don't like point systems, your first answer would be Idaho and New Mexico because they don't have point systems. But they also have very large license purchase requirements. So I think in Idaho you got to buy $160 non-resident, non-refundable license just to apply. Right. Arizona, yeah, they, you got to buy a non-refundable license there also. But that's why I focus on kids because it's only 5 bucks For an adult, it's 140 or something like that, 150 Uh But with Arizona, if you're not holding out for the absolute glory tag... You you can go elk hunting every six or seven years in in Arizona in their. And you can go hunting. deer hunting every year. Yeah, you, you can go use deer archery hunt. equipment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or even rifle because I mean I drew that rifle tag. It sounds like oh, there's a certain units you can get rifle tags basically every year. Yeah, if you pick, pick and choose the right ones. Yeah, so people ask what state is the best. I guess it all depends on what you're looking for. If you're you know how you look at it. If you hate point systems, you'd have a different idea. But if 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 I compare them all, I'm I'm really big on Arizona just because you're already up to six points again, Matthew. For elk. Elk in Arizona. Yeah. Is there a wait period in Arizona? No. No, you just start accumulating right, right. again. Okay. Utah and Nevada put you in the penalty box for right. a few years. I'm in the penalty box in a lot of things in Utah. <laughs> it's a good problem. To every have. tag I've drawn in Utah has been an archery tag. Archery yeah. elk. Archery deer, archery bison. And next year, it's going to be rifle antelope. If, right. if I decide to burn my points. If you decide. I am one of three non-residents sitting at the absolute top of the point pool in Utah for pronghorn. So, but what else we got? <laughs> we got anything that popped up in the feed here that we just I, I talk haven't about? really been paying too much attention to it oh m someone says marcus is really spider-man huh i don't know why that wow huh. that's how he gets the cameras and all the great angles he just like and then someone the else web. says marcus has anyone ever told you you sound a lot like toby mcguire who's toby mcguire oh he's the guy <laughs> who plays spider-man i think that's <laughs> that's why oh. hmm. i i have not heard that huh Wow. Well, Arizona deer are small. You can put them in your back pocket and have it for a snack. There you go. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm that, going to shoot, I'm gonna shoot a year-and-a-half-year-old coos deer this year. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm going to shoot a javelina. I'm going down there in January. I'm going to shoot one everything. Yeah. Everything that's legal. I can't wait to go do the falconry stuff. Oh, I'm I think we said that. that on the last podcast, didn't we? I, I'm, I'm so fired up to go. Get some slow-mo shots of peregrines taking out ducks. Yeah. yeah that is, how cool is that going to be? That'll be really cool. So, well, this has been an interesting experiment, guys. I uh, I appreciate it. I hope 
The other thing I hope is that if listeners have questions or thought-provoking ideas like that email we got there about backcountry etiquette, I hope they send them to us because we're always trying to guess what the audience wants to hear. And it's nice to know what truly from their feedback what what they're interested in and what they'd want to hear. So right. That is contact at randynewberg.com. I think right. that isn't that it, Matthew? Or like one of the multiple social media platforms. Yeah. Actually, no, well, no, oh, don't you? don't contact me on social media. Don't, sorry, I sorry. Don't, I don't answer Facebook messages. Don't yeah, don't Facebook. direct message him. Uh, comments, things like that, though, get looked at. Right, comments on YouTube um, comments, pretty good. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I there's two things I try to do is answer every personal email I get, and I'm so far behind. I feel like I'm a snobby, good for nothing. It, I, I actually lose sleep some nights worrying about how many emails have been un, unreplied or not replied to. You're a much kinder person than I am. Really? I wouldn't. <laughs> well, it's reached a volume standpoint now where I just, I, I can't. It's hard to keep up. No, when you're getting, I mean, we'll get back well, from a trip and we'll have been gone for you know, a week and I got a thousand emails. Well, especially if it's a detailed question that requires right. a detailed answer. Yeah. I mean, that's hard. <laughs> that's just. Yeah. I mean, I get people sending me maps and screenshots from their on X saying, Where, how would you approach is it? Well, it depends on so many things. It'd take me two hours to reply. Right. And you can't do so I, <coughs> I really, it, it still bothers me though. Uh, and then I try to answer every youtube comment well uh, why why don't you start with this one from uh Bodie here he's been uh trying ha to get our attention ever have ever hunted in unit 30 in idaho i have not no i idaho is one that we just got to get on our calendar more yeah well it's hard because they come out pretty late in yeah the application yeah game. i've and i always apply for moose in idaho i've done a few times i've done sheep but in Idaho, you can apply for moose or goat or sheep. If you apply for one of those three, you can only apply for one of them, and you cannot apply for elk, deer, and antelope. Right. So, I I've always done the moose thing. I'm I'm done with moose. I think I'm like 15 or 16 years applying for moose. I'm done with it. I think I'm gonna put in next year and I'll, I'll draw. You probably will. Never never apply for it. So <laughs> probably. So I think I think I'm going the elk, deer, antelope route. But like you said, the problem is their deadline is early June. So by then we've already got our calendar mostly filled. And I say, well, if I'm gonna apply and we'd have to bump another hunt, I'm I'm a swinging for the fences. I'm I'm going for you know whatever. So that's that's why we've not spent a lot of time hunting in Idaho. But I'm. With our buddy Bo Beatty from the Wilderness Ridge Trail Llamas, mm -hmm. go to their YouTube channel and subscribe, please. Uh, <laughs> with him being in Idaho and him having all kinds of ideas for us in Idaho, maybe we just need to start hunting some general tags down there. With yeah, him. I want to do a general archery elk. I think that. Yeah. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Give Idaho a few more years now to get past that killer winter they had two years ago, and their deer will be back up to 
I mean, there's still always a few quality deer. Yeah, around, it seems like I've been seeing some pictures of some nice deer coming out of Idaho still, but yeah, but man, in 2016, that was that was the year to hunt deer in Idaho hmm. because that winter of 16, 17, they had that brutal, brutal killer winter. <coughs> if I ever have enough points, I'd go for the San Juan hunt. Hmm. Is that an Idaho hunt? No, it's Utah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> but in Utah, you even if you had the maximum points, you'd still be competing with about 50 other non-residents with maximum points for that tag. Yeah, I'll just go on general hunts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have more fun. Uh, I can't say more fun, but I have a lot of fun on those. Like right now, out on our YouTube channel, we have the Montana elk hunt. General from, elk hunt. From opening weekend. That was one of the more pleasurable hunts I'd been on in a long time. Mm -hmm. Because there's really not this pressure you feel of, oh, gosh, I have this amazing tag that took three lifetimes to draw. <laughs> Your expectations are, okay, if I go there and I see a bull, I'm going to shoot it because I may not even see a bull. Because there's like 60 <laughs> other hunters below <laughs> us. <laughs> yeah, all of that. <laughs> and so for me, those are a ton of fun to go do those kind of hunts this year i had a limited entry mule deer tag in montana and it was a, a unit that's not anything spectacular and there was a part of me that said why did i even apply for this now i can only hunt mule deer in this unit right instead of going to all the other places because while i was doing some elk hunting this year in montana some of the places I used to hunt deer and see nice deer are starting to come back. And I'm not telling anyone where they're at. <laughs> <laughs> but I would have liked to have went down there with my deer tag still in my pocket. Right. See whether or not I could uh, could do that. Other question is each of you guys are sitting on seven Colorado deer points. Both Matthew and Marcus. What are you guys going to do with those? Carry them around forever? No, I'd like to burn those. Please do. Yeah, I'd like to get rid of those. If you don't... And then I'd like to... Yeah, because like some of those... My whole plan was to do one of those high country archery hunts. Yeah. But then I started building points because I think it took like one or two points to uh -huh. get the unit. And I was never able to go. And so now I just keep accumulating points. And now it's like, well, geez, I better burn them on something a little better than the two-point archery unit. Huh. So now I'm a, I got to get on go hunt. I actually have been on Go Hunt. <laughs> I need to, for this next season, I'm for sure going to, I think I'll try to. Burn them? Try to, yeah. Because Colorado is uh, like true preference, right? So I should true, be, right. I can actually <clears throat> yep. have mm. a pretty solid plan of like, I'm going to go. It's not like if I'm going to go. Right. You, you, I mean, it wavers a little bit, but there's some predictability to a preference point system like Colorado has. But if you don't burn them, you're fired. All right. Well, all right, audience, uh, can you guys let me know what unit to apply for? <laughs> <laughs> in Colorado with seven points. So yeah. here's what we need everybody to do. Go out to go to gohunt.com, sign up for the Insider, and use promo code Randy, and you'll get $50 of free store credit. And then do some research and tell Marcus, here's where I would go if I was you. No, I'm going to, I'm going to, I am going to research a bunch and. I'm pick a unit and hopefully burn them this year. You can attend unless them. it's like, oh man, if I waited, until I had eight points and I could get that unit, maybe. Yeah, but, but I think I'd like to burn them. I'd like to burn them. But usually in Colorado, you get that point creep where the next year it takes nine. 
So I need I need to be looking at something that's like six points probably. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. I think what we'd do is we'd send Dan or Michael with you. You guys take llamas. Oh, buddy. (laughs) That would be fun. And see what kind of mule deer you can find on the public lands of Colorado. That sounds fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Put it or get the calendar out right now and pencil that in for November of 2019. All right. Marcus is going to be in Colorado. What are you going to do with yours, Matthew? I don't know. Probably <laughs> hold on to them for a while longer. Okay. <laughs> you know me. I like just accumulating uh, points and are. not doing anything with yeah, them, right? I know. What's going to be your hunt next year? You've I got, don't know. I think, 17 or 18 elk points in Nevada. So is that something that he could burn? Like you could you could get rid of those and draw a unit for sure? Yeah. No. I mean, there are a lot of units I could draw for sure with. <laughs> yeah, Nevada, because it's a bonus point system, yeah. you don't know for sure. Oh, yeah. right, right. But, but you got a but decent a, chance. A very yeah. good chance, yeah. yeah. And then you've got, I'm trying to remember, 11 or 12 pronghorn points there. You've got 10 or 11 pronghorn points in Wyoming. You've got maximum deer points in Wyoming. We. You need to start burning some of those. Mm. Yeah, sooner or later. <laughs> Jeez. It's All hard right. when I only get it's good know, thing they one don't week like a year. What's I, that? I'd be trying to buy them off you if they were, you know, for sale. <laughs> for <or> sale. <laughs> no doubt. That is that is probably not something that should ever happen. No, no, that should That happen. seems like there are way too many ways that could That would be wrong. corrupted I, immediately. I think at one time I was out on one of the forums, and there were guys in Utah who were thinking you should be able to will or inherit point that would be abused too that would be heavily abused you'd be down at the nursing home buying points for every old fogey around (laughs) and say in your will you're gonna will these to me (laughs) Uh, yeah well it'll be fun to figure out what hunt you're gonna do next year you need a job can i call your employer and tell them that they need to give you more vacation time uh you can try you won't lose your job if I call on your behalf? <laughs> I, I don't know. Hopefully uh-huh. not. Huh. Well, you need to be like these guys. Well, although uh, if I'm unemployed, <coughs> then I can go hunting all I want. Right? There you go. That's true. It takes money you, to go hunting. Until you run out of money, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what did we say was our plan for next year, for September? Archery elk. Archery In elk. Montana. In Montana. Because Montana, our archery elk hunting is excellent. I think our archery elk hunting is way better than our rifle elk hunting yeah i think we should do it day by day september day by day where one of us has to be every day producing of september a, a, a day yep. of hunting <coughs> whatever day season opens That'd next year i think it opens on the 7th next year i looked at the okay. calendar so september 7th through the 30th every day someone from the fresh track crew better be archery elk hunting here in montana and we're gonna try i'm gonna try to outdo last year so like you shoot a spike or shoot something bigger than a regular. No, we're gonna be done in the morning. Oh, instead of that afternoon. On yeah. day one. Yeah, day yeah. one. Last last year, uh, opening <laughs> weekend, Marcus and his wife Kara shot their bulls on opening weekend. They were done. That was so. that was pure luck. <laughs> well, that's all right. We were in the right place at the right time. You don't need to tell everybody that. You can say, "Well, there's nothing to this." Let me tell you how this uh, works. You know. That was unreal. But yeah, you should, you should write a book. I wish we would have had video cameras that day. <laughs> would have been really cool. Uh, Next year we will. We'll have some really? cameras, hope, hopefully. I I don't want to impose on your wife and your hunting time. That that doesn't sound like 
a good long-term employment situation to have your employer saying, oh, you should film you and your wife hunting. Well, it might not be as, like, high quality, uh, you know. Be sketchy. Footage. You're like it, holding it, the but camera. But we'll have some footage instead of no like, camera whatsoever. I did not have a camera. It'll be even belower average than Michael lays down. I had no. Yeah, I forgot the memory card of my camera that day. Oh, oh no, that's a bummer. Yeah, but anyway. Uh, well, I'd be interested to know what kind of content the audience wants us to film too, because we're doing YouTube now. Facebook is even asked us our channel's been approved by facebook to use their creator studio we're going to start doing a bunch of facebook content right video content not just post but video content so be interesting to see what people want us to throw out there yeah i don't know guess we'll find out or we'll just throw it out there and if nobody watches it well guess that was a bad idea (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, Anyone else got anything more to add? No, we're uh, creeping go. up on two hours here. So. Are we? Ooh, sorry about that. Hmm. We better let the audience go then. But So you're off to Arizona. I'm off to Colorado. And Matthew, you're heading back home to Portland. Yep. So my condolences. <laughs> yeah, it's at least warmer than here. Well, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Got to find some upside, even if it, you know, rains the entire time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anyhow, folks, really appreciate all of you following along, listening. I hope that we haven't offended anyone with our discussions about backcountry etiquette and about wounding loss. But if you have further thoughts on that, uh post them out there on either our youtube channel or on our uh, facebook feed randy newberg hunter is the title for both of those platforms and i'd say email me but like i said earlier i i don't know if i'll get to them because i'm so behind already but i'll try um, email marcus <laughs> Randy Newberg. Yeah, I'm hoping that the next time we do a podcast, that I don't have quite this degree of sinus infection. Yeah, I'm sure feel better. The the, the audience watching on YouTube here has seen me wiping the corners of my <laughs> eyes and blowing my nose nonstop. They probably think I've got some sort of cayenne pepper, and maybe I maybe you guys sprayed me with bear spray or something <laughs> before the the hunt i don't know but anyhow folks thanks for listening sure appreciate it uh happy thanksgiving oh wait this will already be out there by the time thank thanksgiving will have passed by the time this one's released so oh, yep, yep for those of you listening and watching on youtube happy thanksgiving for the rest of you uh i guess what we would say is merry christmas and all the other things. Marcus is doing something here. I was just going to copy all the comments before they get deleted. Oh, really? Yeah. How do you do that? I don't know. Command C. Command C, huh? <laughs> Where's the... Uh... Let's go. All right. Evidently... Oh. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that'll work. All so. right. Thanks for listening, folks. We're we're about ready to get into another technology trap here. And that, that just isn't going to be good for me. Thanks a lot.